0: To the Cross the Line podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and I have another special guest with me today. He is the offense coordinator of the Lawrence Raiders, and right now I'm joined by Mr. Sintel Peak. How you doing? Doing
1: good. Let's see
0: him. I'm glad to have you. I've been looking forward to this interview with another football mind, so I'm happy to kind of pick your brain. But starting off, let's just talk about a little bit about your season so far.
1: Uh, so far, we're 2 and 2. Uh, we played Clinton, we uh, got off to a good start, beat those guys 34 to 14. Uh, Uh, We played well in the second half. We ended up scoring all 34 points in the second half. Uh, That was a a great sign for us. And we ran into a Myrtle Beach team who was ranked number three in 4A. And uh, they were everything as advertised. Uh, The quarterback, Luke Doty, who uh, is a four-star recruit, committed to the Gamecocks. He played extremely well. And they have really good athletes on the outside of the perimeter. And uh, they ended up taking it the to us. They got great a great defense as well, and they mm-hmm. took it the to us and, and beat us down, so we ended up losing that game. Then we came back, played Hill Chris, uh, had them in the first half, down to, they were down seventeen to fourteen. Uh, they were ranked number six in the five eight. Uh, had them all the way into the end. It was 24-20 going into the fourth quarter. And then uh they got on the run. We made a few mistakes, ended up losing that game. So we uh ended up uh losing that game with one and two at that point and then Thursday night because of the uh, hurricane threat we ended up playing Wade Hampton and uh, we ended up beating them 35 to 10 so we're two and two on the season.
0: Is it hard to get players to buy into the season because you know everybody thinks a lot of people think they know everything so sometimes you know guys think they should run this play or that play or fans you know they think they know what you guys should run but is it hard to get the players to buy into what you're um, preaching?
1: It's definitely difficult you know you you have a system and, and, and kids see what, what's going on in the NFL or with college and, and a lot of guys wanna just spread the ball out and throw it, throw it, throw it and get a lot of catches and stuff like that. And, and and so, you know, you have to sell the kids on winning as much as possible. You have to show them that you have a history of winning. And I've been fortunate enough to have been in places where we've won and so uh, you know, we've been able to kinda of get those kids to on board. But it took some time at Lawrence and you know, it's my third year and I think we're finally starting to get guys to Buy into what we're doing. So I, I, I changed a good bit of on the, uh, last year uh, because of the personnel we have, just changed the offense a good bit. And we ended up losing a few guys who transferred out. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's just at the them on winning. You know, we're going to win if you'll just do your job and,
0: and we'll get you some touches. And I know you said that you've been at Lawrence for three years, but how, how long have you actually been coaching, like, total? total this is years my
1: 15th season. 15th coach. year. Fifteen years. I spent ten years at Greenwood,
0: spent two years at Emerald, and then three years here at Lawrence. And so, fifteen years there. Greenwood is kind of like a, a football factory. You had Josh and DJ Swearinger and some some other guys as well. But um, just to go back a little bit, how you said that you were there for uh, you've been doing it for fifteen years, but also um, you actually, you played at New Bear play played at Newberry College and then did you know right away after football that you wanted to did you know what you want to do right after football like after your playing days
1: yeah well I did not I uh, I went into Newberry College majoring in business mm. and I figured I would go to a big city and actually uh work in a business office in a business situation and uh, it didn't quite work out like that Newberry College did a great job of setting up interviews for me and all of that stuff but it didn't quite work out So I ended up working at a place called Count White Pines in Jonesville, South Carolina. And uh, I worked there for 13 months and I got to uh, meet kids that were, you know, in were in trouble situations and stuff like that kids that were just looking for somebody to give them some positive stuff. Mm -hmm. It was a great experience for me. And it allowed me to figure out what I wanted to do and and, and just reanalyze, reanalyze what my goals were going to be. And and, and that's how I ended up saying, Hey, I want to coach football and, and be a teacher and make a difference. So, ended up uh, moving to Greenwood, just kind of, by mistake, by happenstance, uh, Mike Clowney saw him at a store one day, told him I was interested in coaching football. Mike told Coach Dula, who was my former coach at Union High School, we ended up uh, linking up, talking about it, he sent me to the right direction human resources, and uh, they told me what I needed to do, so I did this program called the PACE program, it allowed me to get my certification, and then uh, I was coaching from then on out, and that's how everything got going
0: would you consider those guys and any of anybody else, like some of your mentors or that helped you like push you and guide you along the way?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Mike Clinton is definitely a mentor for me. Mike uh, coached at Greenwood when they won the back-to-back state championships in 99 and 2000. And, uh, Mike hired me at Emerald. After three years, I was at Greenwood. He hired me at Emerald to be the offensive coordinator. So he's kinda, he kind of he kind of took me under his wing. And he's a he's a fellow Union guy. Mm-hmm. He's a great linebacker at Union. and up playing at Carson Newman and uh just kind of mm-hmm. helped me along the way. Just one of those guys that took me under his wing. Yep.
0: Is it hard to to be a teacher and coach? Because you know a lot of times, for the athletes, I know. You have to go to class. It's mandatory that you go to class to get your education. But, you know, they, they're really hyped up about playing in games. But as a coach, is it hard to stay focused on teaching in the classroom? You know, you have a big game ahead of you.
1: Yeah, it really is. And to be honest, you know, when you when you want to be great at everything, you take everything serious. So yeah. as a teacher, you know, I try to plan great lessons and stuff so the kids will have fun because, honestly – When you're playing great lessons, you have more fun in class and your kids have more fun. And so it, it is pressure to plan great lessons, but at the same time you you're watching film, you're studying your opponent, you're trying to get tendencies, you're trying to learn as much as you can, you're trying to figure out what it, what's what's going to be the place to put your players in the best position to be successful. You got a million things going on, so it does get very difficult. And then me being married with two kids, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you got to make sure you give them time. So it's it's a it's a balance, and you know you work hard to keep that balance.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say how how do you try to balance it, or how many hours. Do you put into coaching because on the outside, we don't see anything. We just see the product on the field on Friday. How much time would you say that you actually spend just watching film and going over plays?
1: Oh Yeah, yeah a coach can watch seven, eight, nine, ten hours of film during the week just mm-hmm. trying to prepare for an opponent. You know, you, you, you're studying everything from their last three games. You're uh, studying your guys to see mm-hmm. what they did well from the previous week. You yeah, you're trying to find weak spots. You know, you spend a lot of time. So, you know, we have a planning period as teachers. So, I usually spend my entire planning period trying to uh, study up film. You know, we go to practice for two and a half hours. After practice, you know, you're having meetings with your players to try to, you know, keep them positive and, and moving forward in the right direction. You know, you're constantly... You know, doing something with film because you can watch film anywhere now. You can watch it on your iPad, on your phone. You can watch it anywhere. So, right, you get home, you you, you know, you try to focus on your kids, you try to focus on mm-hmm. your family and everything like that. So, the balance is tough, and it's just one of those things you just got to get used to. You you hope that your wife is on board. She has to be on board. Absolutely. You know, so for you to be able to do these things, and I love her for that.
0: As an African American teacher and coach, do you feel like an obligation to be a father figure and a leader to students and your athletes?
1: Well, I, I think that's just part of the period, you know. But definitely, as an African American, you know, there's a lot of players that, that are African American who don't have a father figure. Mm-hmm. You know, it happens more than people might, might believe, but and, and they need somebody to be a positive role model mm-hmm. in their life. So, it, you know, I think it's very important. That's why I post a lot of pictures on social media of my kids and my wife and my family, and I talk about them so they know, you know, hey, this is the way you want to do it you know this is how you can be happy you know you can have a family you can do the right things maybe you know your parents didn't do the right things or maybe your father wasn't there and do the right things but hopefully you can take what you see uh you know more than anything and and take that and put it in your life and make it part of what you want to do
0: and i think it's important because a lot of times we don't see a lot of african-american teachers and if, if we see it it makes us feel like we can do the same thing but why why do you feel like we may not have as many african american teachers in the, in the in the school system
1: you know that's, that's that's one of those things you know it blows my mind I, I think it starts with just making it important to get your education you know mm-hmm. a lot of people in general you got to you got to make it important in right. your family and when when we get more people that say hey i'd rather do something that's not illegal. I'd rather do something that's going to help my community versus mm-hmm. I'm gonna do a bunch of selfish things, you know, like sell drugs or do this right here. If we can start replacing those people that's doing that and get them to actually be a teacher, then yes, we can get more teachers. That's
0: that's what I see with that. You know, back back to the field a little bit. Um, do you feel like this era right here is hard to? Guys, to buy in well, not just buying, but do you think the social media era has kind of spoiled players because it's like one big play and it's like they're like an overnight celebrity? Do you think social media era has kind of spoiled players?
1: You know, I think that's funny because we we've talked about that as coaches. You know, uh, guys are always looking for the highlight play, looking right. for the big play so that they can post it and, and all of that stuff. But mm-hmm. really, colleges are looking for the whole the whole system, the whole game thing what you do throughout the whole game. But I think it has sport players. Players are looking for the big play, you know, so they kind of take their eye off of holding the ball correctly. They take Mm -hmm. their eye off of doing the little things like blocking properly and and things like that, which ends up hurting them and also hurting the team. So I I think it does hurt a little bit trying to – guys trying to get the big play rather than doing the
0: whole whole thing. And it's crazy because last month we went up to – cover Chris Chris Paul's uh, Rising Stars Challenge, and all the kids there were going to ninth grade. And some of the kids there, man, almost seven feet tall. But just watching them, some of the highlights, when they were telling me about some of the kids, I went and looked them up, and they would have, like, 20,000 views off of dunks they were doing. So it was like, man, these kids already feel like they've already made it. Yeah. So how do you, how do you try to keep, keep kids humble and keep them grounded to where they focus on the team?
1: Well, I, I think it's a coaching style. You know, I think me personally, my coaching style is, is all about stay on them hard, stay on them, stay on them, stay on them. Uh, hold them accountable for everything. Like a drop pass, push ups. You're not holding the ball correctly. Push ups. You're doing anything that that may hurt the team fundamental wise is push ups. So the kids, you know, it gets to the point to where they're not even thinking about it. They know, hey. I wasn't holding the ball correctly. I'm going to go ahead and do my push-ups, you know. And if you do that consistently, you can get your guys to focus in on doing the little things versus trying to find the highlights.
0: I saw you uh, kind of floss your rings from from uh, Greenwood the other, the other day. Do you think that them knowing that you have championship, championships on your resume, do you think that helps them buy into what you preach to them? must definitely.
1: Kids, kids buy into winning. They, they want the rings. They want the uh, accolades. They want all of that stuff. So they buy into that stuff. I, I think it's important that they know because kids don't know if you won a championship mm-hmm. three years ago. They, they only know that what happened last year in the season. You know, they don't know if you won a championship five years ago 10 years ago you know I, um, my team fortunately in 1995 we won a state championship in union and then turned around in 2006 at greenwood my third season of coaching won the championship mm-hmm. and then 2012 when i went back to greenwood we ended up winning it again and, and, and that was awesome but none of the lawrence kids knew that you know they they don't know it's right. like hey it's just another guy that's fussing at me all the time mm-hmm. and so you, you have to tell them, hey, you know, show them you know hey there is a rhyme. There is a reason, and it is a progress. Um, it is a process. So, hey, just stick with it. Believe in it, and we can win championships at Lawrence also.
0: I want to talk about something that's one of the biggest things going on right now, one of the biggest topics in sports is the, the anthem protest with Colin Kaepernick. What, what, what's your take on the Colin Kaepernick taking a stand for the – the protest doing doing everything what do you what do you think about the protest
1: well i'm all about your first amendment right mm-hmm. you know'm I'm, I'm big on that i, I think and, and everybody that's that really believes in the united states and in our constitution that they, they if they were honest they'll believe in it too they'll mm-hmm. say hey you have a constitutional right now on the other hand yes you do work for employers and, mm-hmm. but at the same time you will hope that those employers have understanding that hey, I got these guys. I want to keep them happy to a certain degree and Mm -hmm. let them exercise their rights as they need to. And, and, you know, me personally, I'm not, I'm not taking a knee at this point in time in my, in my career, but uh, Mm -hmm. I definitely ain't the type of person that says you shouldn't have the ability to do that. So Mm -hmm. I believe in the first amendment, right? And I believe they have the right to be able to do that. And it shouldn't be somebody trying to dictate or tell them what to do.
0: Just wondering. So your players come to you and they say, coach, we see everything that's going on in the community, and we don't like it. We we rather we want to take a knee like Kaepernick. What would you tell them to do?
1: If they give me a legitimate reason why they want to do that, then I can understand. Because again, I believe in the First Amendment right. I believe in the right to protest, and again, mm-hmm. that's a big part. Especially as an African American, that's a big part of our history and how we became uh, what we are right now: civil rights and all of that stuff. Nobody liked the way that Rosa Parks protest, you know. What right. That, that, hey, get out of that seat. What are you doing? You know, nobody wanted Martin Luther King to be out there, you know, so they threw him in jail, you know. When you protest, you're going to rub people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to not like it and all that stuff, but that's it's supposed to be the beauty of America is that you have these different rights and constitutional
0: rights. But it's, it, And I agree because I think the message, well, it has gotten lost. A lot of people are not paying attention to why, to took the knee against mm-hmm. police brutality, against people of color. They just say that he's being disrespectful to the flag. Why do you think, what, what do you think is that Ms. disconnection? What, what, why do you think it's, that's the um, problem?
1: Well, I think a lot of people change the narrative. And I, and I can't tell you exactly why they would want to change the narrative. You know, I can give you hints and clues and all of that right. stuff, but that would be me speculating. But, mm-hmm. you know. People change the narrative because they don't like the story. They don't like the way that things are, are going with the story. Mm-hmm. They, you know, maybe they're trying to cover something up. Maybe they don't want you to see the light. Or, you know, whatever it might be. And, and, and I, like again, I can't speculate on why. But for whatever reason, the narrative is being changed. And, and and it's unfortunate because there is a real real issue out there. You know, even me personally, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, I say, you know, I had a situation where I was pulled over and I was... Taken out, uh, told to get out of my car for no reason mm-hmm. without even. I wasn't speeding, I wasn't given a reason why I was told to get out of my car. I just told to get out of my car, searched, took it to the back, trying to get trying to search my car. It's a violation of my Fourth Amendment right. Say, so, you, you know, you can't search my car, you don't have the right to do that. You know, well, I can search my car, search your car, I can go make sure I can search your car. So, and I imagine these stories. My story was never told. I imagine there's a lot of stories that never been told that, that are issues. These are real issues. Only, And people like to point in and say, hey, well, it's not happening at that large scale. We don't have the statistics behind what you're protesting. Well, my story ain't part of the statistics. Yeah, a lot exactly. of people's story is not part of the statistics. But we know what's happening. So, you know, understand what's really going on. And, and I hate that, you know, people try to change the narrative. But hopefully they'll understand it. If you meet some people and actually talk to them. You understand
0: there is an issue sometimes. And you know, I had an interaction with one of my friends on Facebook the other day, and I was telling him it's not. They, they always say he's being disrespectful. But they're not telling why he took the knee. Should should we still try to interact with those people and try to get them to understand why he he's um he, why he took a stand, or should we just you know just if they don't get it. They just don't get it because sometimes they just it's like they don't try to understand like you were saying should we still try to get them to understand where where he where he's coming from at this point
1: i i think it's a it's a slow process to be honest with you mm-hmm. I, I don't think you should just disconnect from those people i think you should still try to just kind of mm-hmm. let them see you uh, you know as an african-american let them see you for who you are and, and let them start to slowly hopefully come around you know it's unfortunate that some people come around slower than others, but at the same time, I think if if it if becomes a disconnect, then you'll never you never have the hope that they might come around. So I think you should continue to try to keep that relationship alive, keep that connection alive, but at the same time, you know, you know where you stand, and right now they know where they stand, and hopefully there'll be some type of, you know, happy
0: medium mm-hmm. that comes about. With the protests, I, I, know, I know that some people are feeling some type of way about with Nike, some people were saying that they feel like he, they, they, they're just trying to make money. Of course, when you're in business, you want to make money. But do you feel like they may be trying to exploit the situation and, and that's all they're thinking about? Or do you think they really care about this the, the situation with police brutality? Honestly,
1: I mean, I think Nike is number one about making money. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's number one, first and foremost. I, I think. Secondly, though, they also understand, you know, and, and, and really with Nike, it, it, it made me feel like at least they were willing to stand in there. Whereas a lot of people say, hey "I don't want to stand in there. I don't want to go against the majority." Well, like the NFL, I don't want to go against the majority. You know, even though it might not, it might be the right thing to do to go with the minority. But when the majority, when the money talks, but Nike didn't worry about that. You know, I think they're more worried about, hey, freedom of expression, and, and things like that. I think they're more of a progressive company, and, and maybe they don't care, but who knows? I mean, they cared enough to to stick by captain Right.
0: The thing that will make some people wonder, um, and I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that they still by side sides. They were like, well, what took them so long to do it? And then they had other companies bidding, but it, I'm just happy that they finally know they join in with Kaepernick and hopefully they you know like you said they do something about it like maybe if they do you think they should kind of take some of the money and I'm sure they probably do something with, with take some of the money they make profit off of and then just donate it to his charity uh,
1: that's that's an option for them. I mean I I think it would say a lot about you know what they truly believe in if they did you know donate to his charity or whatnot you know there's one thing to say hey Let's making the face and make a lot of money because you know a lot of people who's kind of uh, I would say hip or urban or whatever. There's mm-hmm. Nike, but it's another thing to say. Hey, we are gonna take this money and put it towards this thing. Now that, that. I really would make a statement.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's let's switch gears a little bit. Um, let's go to college football and talk a little bit about college football. I know you like Clemson, right? That's right. All right. Who? How, how do you think they're doing so far? And do you think they'll ultimately get to the playoffs?
1: I think is going to make the playoffs. I, I think uh, so far it's been kind of a fill-it-out type of situation. You know, they're trying to work with the two quarterbacks, trying to fill it out, you know, you know, Trevor Lawrence being the talent, Kelly Bryant being the guy that led him to 12 wins last year. I mean, and, and he has a different skill set than Trevor Lawrence, you know. But you got to figure out, and Clemson is just trying to figure out, hey, we got a great defense. We want a quarterback who's going to give us that run and it's going to allow us to win these grinded-out games, or do we want that possessed throw it down the field and try to get you know big plays in the passing game and keep the wide receivers happy and all of that stuff. And they're just trying to figure that out. Mm. They learned a lot about themselves last week against Texas A&M because you know, Texas A&M was able to blitz uh, like crazy mm-hmm. against Trevor Lawrence because they knew he was kind of a sitting duck back there, whereas against Kelly Bryant, you have to did, attack him differently, yeah. So they had to attack him differently. So Clemson's gonna have to feel it out for the next few games and hey, figure out in which direction do we want to go this season? Because that's that means a lot towards making the playoffs.
0: And I think for me, I I'm not the biggest Kelly Bryant fan. I think he's he's okay. He's not definitely not Deshaun, mm-hmm. but I think with Clemson's schedule and the talent that they have, they have so many pieces around them. I think they they'll be fine. They should they should. I think I'll go ahead and give them a nod as getting back into the playoffs. And I think T Higgins. I think he'll be a he'll turn into a star as well. But who who would you say would would be your other playoff teams if you had to take a swing at it?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I I believe Alabama, Ohio <clears> State, <throat> and, and preseason I thought Washington, but I, I'm kind of moving away from Washington a little bit because after watching Georgia against uh, against South Carolina, <laughs> oh man, that impressive. So I think Georgia
0: they have a chance to get right back in. I actually thought that. Uh, South Carolina was going to win the East this year. I thought we had the the firepower, which I still do think with Shy and Debo and Brian Edwards. I think we had some some pieces, you know, on offense to to go at it with anybody. But then the way Georgia just took us apart, you know, it it, it uh I'm almost off the Bentley bandwagon now because I mean, he he's getting a little bit shaky to me. It's like it, this was one of those games where I was looking for him to make a statement, but he he just didn't he just didn't do it. But for me, I, I would say. Of course Alabama, Clemson, um, maybe Ohio State and in you know, I like West Virginia with yeah. with real greer. I think yeah. I think they got a chance to to make a little bit of noise, but you know, it's it's still a long shot. But while we're on college, do you think these guys should also get paid?
1: College guys getting paid? I um I, always it's honestly I think they should. Mm-hmm. But to a degree, they are getting paid. It's, it's some of the hidden money that you don't see. You mm-hmm. know, when they when college players travel, they get sti- they get uh these little stipends. When college players go to different bowl games, when they do different things, they get money in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. You may not know, but uh, they also you know of course get their full scholarship, but mm-hmm. they they get extra meals that most guys don't get you know they get that fourth meal that most people don't get so they get a lot of extra things you know and, and, and you have to look at college football it's, it's interesting there's pageantry there's things that go along with the tradition that also brings in the crowds as well so it ain't just all the players but i think at the same time i think they can up that little stipend a little bit that supplement and they get a little bit so they can get a little bit piece of that pie
0: because to me it's like they just it's only crumbs to what the ncaa is making off of these guys were selling jerseys and t-shirts and all of this all of this uh gear that they have and the players don't don't get as much so i'm like if they go out there and you know tell the acl or something and j- just ruin their career look at marcus latimer even though he's still successful it's like it's nothing compared to the money they could have made yeah. so that's why i wish it was something in place to where those guys could kind of profit off of and i, I just remember a story with ben simmons was at LSU playing basketball, he said, you know, he would have practice and go to class, and then they would grab him and tell him, you know, we need you to go do a photo shoot for us. Mm-hmm. And his, his jersey in the in the, lot, in the uh, bookstore, but none of the money comes to him. So it's like he just felt like he was being explored. So he knew then pretty much, you know, this was going to be it for him. Do oh, you, yeah. do you, would you have any kind of suggestions of what, what they could do?
1: Well, I think uh, an alternative would be like, they can have those kind of book signings or a jersey signings or things of that nature. And, and they can take all the money that they get from that, put it in a, in, a, in, a, in a fund. And so when they finish college or when they decide to leave to go wherever they're going to go, give them that money that they've earned from signing jerseys. Give them the money they earned from, uh, you know, all those different things where they had to do stuff that were required. You know, they, they got to sign jerseys. They got to do this. Mm-hmm. Put that money, you know, charge people $10 or charge people right. $20 to sign a helmet. Charge people money for that. And then at the end, the people that are the best players, the most popular players, the ones that people come to see but be able to get a big chunk of money when they leave college, even if they get hurt, even if they don't
0: make it and do good in the NFL. I think I my my mentality was, was a little bit different. I, I was hoping – I know Jay Williams said that he – during basketball, he wanted season. He wanted to see the players pro uh, do a protest at the final four and not play. My 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 idea was it might have been a little bit crazy was to say you know if all the, the the key stars who know they were going to potentially be first round picks in the draft, maybe if all those guys just stop and sign jerseys and do their own thing and sell their set again and get suspended or whatever and just take a stand and say look we're doing this because we're not we don't have any money and we have families and our parents are struggling or whatever. And I think that was something that, you know, get them to realize, OK, we need to do something. And then, of course, the NFL doesn't care about it. If you can play, they, they're still going to pick you up, no matter if you sell jersey, T-shirts or whatever. If you can play, they'll still pick you up. But that was my idea. But, you know, it's I, I don't know how the guys will come together. I mean, social media is powerful, but I don't know how those guys would come together and say, you know, I want to do the same thing, just sell some gear and, and all of us just sit out.
1: Yeah, I mean, they can all get on board. They can make a difference in a lot of different ways, you know. There's a lot of different things that could be done that college football, college basketball, whatever, you know, that that could change, you know. I always said, you know, if, if all the guys got together for college football, North Carolina Antique or South Carolina State would be the national champions, you know. Right. You know, guys don't get together like that. But if they wanted to, they could get together and make a difference. But it's very hard. The structure for college football and basketball has already been set up, you know, and they're living lavish. You know, we don't might not see it, but they're living lavish and, and they're feeling good in, in America. It's a capitalistic mindset. You know, if I'm doing well, people are not usually worried about others, especially at the age of 18, 19, 20, 21, unless you have a like. A parent that is like really, really, really about making a difference, then you're gonna you're gonna just do what's best for you, and and they treat them very well to the point to where they don't even think about that half of the time.
0: Right. positive. All right, let's switch to the NFL real quick. I know you are you like the pros as well, and you're a Redskins fan, right? That's right. Talk, talk about the Redskins. got a big win the first week. Talk about your Redskins.
1: Well, I, I think the Redskins have done a great job of drafting. Well, they were weak at, you know, a few years ago. They were very bad at the, uh, stopping the run. and So they picked up Jonathan Allen last year, and then they picked up DeRon Payne from Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, and now it was kind of paying dividends. You know, we lost Kirk Cousins in free agency mm-hmm. And I, I remember talking to Josh about that. Josh Norman, I mean. And, uh, and Joshua was good with it. You know, he was like, hey, he wants so much money. And, and you know, sometimes that cripples the team. You know, mm-hmm. you look at Baltimore from a few years back. I'm a Ravens fan. When paid, oh, when they paid Joe Flacco, they, they suffered for mm-hmm. a few years for that.
0: Still suffering now.
1: <laughs> so uh, I think it was a good deal to be able to get um, Alex Smith from mm-hmm. the Chiefs with the trade. And I think that was wonderful. I and mean, we saw that pay dividends week one. I think uh, getting Chris Thompson back and the tight end Jordan Leggett back—I mean Jordan uh, Reed back—it uh, was huge. And, and I think the Redskins are on their way to, to to making the playoffs. this see.
0: The one thing I will give you about the racing, well, I'm I'm just I'm room for AP. You know, yeah. I, I like AP. I want him to do well and just shatter the mold to show that a running back at his age can still play at a high level. But I, I don't see where Kirk, Kirk, Kirk well, Alex Smith has improved the team over Kirk Cousins. I, me personally, I think I would rather have Kirk Cousins, even though he's, he, he's still shaky. I'm not big on Kirk Cousins, but Alex Smith is just kind of like a, a game manager. He won't cost you a game, but at the same time, he won't necessarily win you a game. As well. Do you feel like he upgraded the team? Well,
1: I don't think it's an upgrade. I think it's even. But they were able to save some money, which is huge when it comes to getting a player here and a player there. Because mm-hmm. those little players, they, they mean something, you know. You, you, you look at even with the Jets with Sharon uh, Peake, being on special teams, being able to get him for a certain price, you mm-hmm. get those guys that's gonna work hard for under a million dollars. Hey, that means something. So saving five million dollars, it means something. But uh, I, going back to Adrian Peterson, I think that was a huge pickup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, that guy he can play as long as we limit his carries and whatnot. He still can play. He still can run. I think Arizona just uh, wore him out last year and he just wasn't a good fit with the Saints uh, but I think he's a great fit with the Redskins because we have three backs that can guarantee load and so he don't have to take as many hits and, and he can be a a real factor as long as he's healthy. So uh and, and defensively I didn't even talk about the Redskins defensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, DJ swearing to play at Greenwood for yep. you know, he talks mad trash. Yeah, you know anything about him. <laughs> he gets you out of your game just from talking trash, you know. And so he he's been a key mouthpiece for the defense and Josh has just kind of been solid, you know, just quietly covering mm-hmm. his guy. And, and yep. you know he hasn't been making as much noise, so he doesn't get, he doesn't get the uh, camera time like he used to. Right,
0: he's just quietly doing his job. I, th- I talked to Sharon when I did his interview. I remember I was talking to him about Swanger. You remember the Monday night game against Arizona oh, when he he, he went across the middle and yeah, I was like, man, Fitzpatrick kind of set him up for the kill. Kill, kill. kill. Him. So yeah. so Swanger, he he's a, he's a thumper though. But you, do you think the Redskins think you guys will make the playoffs this year?
1: I really do believe we'll make the playoffs. I think we got a good chance. I think the NFC East is not as great as it usually is in mm-hmm. the past. The Cowboys are down a little bit. Yeah, down. The Giants, they kind of a wait and see mm-hmm. type of deal. And, uh, you know, yes, Philadelphia won the championship, but we don't, you know, you don't have to beat Philadelphia to make the playoffs. Right. You, you want to win the division, yes, but – you
0: can
1: still make
0: the playoffs without beating them. And I think we got a chance to split with him at least anyway. I'm I'm just not I just can't buy into Alex Smith. That that's my <laughs> that's my that's my only thing. I can't really buy into Alex. I think Philly, you know, when Carson wins, whenever he comes back, I still think Foles can keep him afloat. But I think Philly Philly I wanna say maybe they'll, they'll probably win the division and then the Giants. You racing the Giants will be that team, the second team fighting for a wild card spot. But um who would you say for your Super Bowl t- prediction, who would you have for that overall?
1: Well, I, that's a tough question. I, I think, uh, you know, you got to make the Eagles the favorite just because of, of what they did last year. But at the same time, you know, you look at the L.A. Rams, they've made improvements mm-hmm. on their team. And you look at uh, – and I like the, what the Redskins have done. You know, I wouldn't pick them up. I like what they've done, and you never know. You might catch lightning in the bottom. I mean, you look at Nick Posey and caught lightning in the bottom. The uh, Minnesota Vikings are very good. I think uh, they got a chance. So if, I, if I had to narrow it down into, in the NFC, I would say, you know, the Rams, the Eagles, and the Vikings are the three teams you got to watch out for. And then uh, you always in the AFC. You got to watch the Patriots. You of course. Uh, the Chargers are the trendy pick of mm-hmm. everybody. That's what We think. saw what they did last week. They got their butts handed to them by the Chiefs. So you just kind of never can tell. But the Patriots, you always got to keep them on on top because until you knock off the man – you know the man is still
0: the man. You, know, you so. think you think my Ravens got a shot? I think the
1: Ravens are
0: tough, but I don't know about a Super <laughs> Nah, <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> nah I, I think we're done. I, I don't even think we'll make the playoffs. I'm just I'm ready. Honestly, I'm ready for the Joe Flacco era to come to an end. Yeah. Because I knew it was going to happen Thursday night. He had a, a great game. month Sunday, yeah. and then he'll come back the next game yeah, he and just lay an egg, egg. And I'm I'm not I don't even get mad at him anymore because I know he is who he is. Like yeah. he'll show up. And then next thing you know, he'll just fall apart. But I think – I just want us to get – we'll probably end up around five and five around the late stretch of the season. Mm -hmm. And then he'll try to win a couple games here and there. But, no, I just think we need to slowly implement Lamar Jackson. But uh, I'm just pretty sure after this year, I think Joe Flacco is going to be – this is gonna be it for him. I hope so anyway. I I really don't want us to bring him back. Maybe y'all will take him off our hands. Nah, we're, good. <laughs> we're good. We got Alex for a couple years. here. We're gonna roll with that.
1: Well,
0: yeah, he he and he, he really hurt our team though. Like you were saying, when we gave him that money, uh, we just had to let a lot of guys go, like, paying that to paying that big money. And then he hasn't even lived up to it. So you know, it just it just kind of kind of hurt our team. But uh, one one last question: What what is your ultimate goal?
1: Well, my ultimate goal is to become a head coach at the right time. The biggest thing is I've been trying to make sure I, I go at the right time because you need a great opportunity. You want an opportunity to win, you know, places where, you know, it's very difficult to win, or places that don't have tradition, places that don't have, you know, the athletes that you might need to win, and so you're trying to find that perfect opportunity. Uh, but right now. Uh, I just want to be a head coach, eventually be the athletic director because I got that business background Mm -hmm. and and help the program consistently win championships, you know, and and in my teaching realm, you know, I just want to continue to make sure that students are, are becoming something, have a goal to be something, you know, educate them to the best of my ability, allow them to have fun with it and try to motivate them to be more than just average, you know, be the next doctor, be the next politician that makes a difference, be the next, you know, somebody who makes a difference in this world and not just talk about it, you
0: know. All right. Well, I thank you and good luck this year. Um, Do you have any social media or any advice that you want to give people listening?
1: Well, I mean, I'm on Twitter. Um, I think it's at S E N T E L L one, one, two. You can follow me there. Uh, Hopefully y'all keep up with Lawrence football. I think we're about to get rolling here. I'm looking forward to the, some of the uh, games coming up, we got Greenwood at Greenwood Friday night. So maybe check that out after that, Westside, a few games after that. So, hey, keep up with us. Lawrence Football 2018, trying to make, make some noise right
0: here. All right. Thank you, Centel. And also, thank you to the people here at Lyman City Music. Make sure you check those guys out. If you need any kind of guitars or any kind of quality audio, make sure you check them out. Thank them. Thank you guys for letting us borrow your facility. And until next time, keep chasing dreams. This is Cross the Line podcast. Thank you for listening.